Language is access to a culture, a way of being. It's a way of interacting with the world around you and understanding your world collectively. Welcome to Strolling. I'm Rosano, here with Elena Studley, singer, writer, and sound designer, also doing theater, community organizing, and illustration. What struck me from our exchange was her deep reverence for culture, languages, and life experience. Our exchange reinforced my sense of the connection that all humans have between one another in the present and to ancestors in the past. Elena prefers to be direct and shares my enthusiasm for free-flowing conversation, which made it easy for us to talk for hours. So without further ado, let's get into it. Elena, welcome to the podcast and thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. What do most people know you for? People can know me for my activism, sound design, singing. People think I'm a spoken word artist. Also like community work, radio, sound technician, dancing. Yeah. Did you mention music? Music. Mm -hmm. What kind of music? The type of music that I sing, I call it loop acapella or loop appella. Basically acapella singing on loop. And then I build my music, like the entire thing, with only my voice. I've seen that. It's interesting how you can just construct a structure with just your voice and nothing else. And then you can stand on top of that. If you're able to make sounds with your voice, you have an instrument that you carry with you everywhere. I would love if you could talk about what twerking means to you. You told me that it's like spiritual for you. It's not just uh, a dance mm -hmm. or a physical activity you do in a gym or something. Twerking is like in instant joy. I've never twerked and not felt like I want to laugh or I'm having fun mm. or even pleasure. It's an amazing feeling. And why refuse to have fun? Twerking requires strength flexibility and like readiness to just whatever you have to anchor yourself and then you have to release at the same time why do you say readiness for whatever i have to stop thinking to twerk like i have to be in that space of mind where i shut down all the thoughts all the negative thoughts all the the judgment that I could receive from whatever, whoever is watching. I know that people think that people twerk to have attention. I don't know if that's the case or not. I don't judge that. But personally, I really don't do it for attention. I actually have to stop thinking about people to be able to twerk. And I have to like lock my knees and my toes and release the pelvis and like usually like the pelvis is not something we release it's like either place in an uncomfortable position or it's like rigid and we are walking and stuff like that now it's like like you know what you can do whatever you want pelvis like swing oh. whichever way you want I heard that a couple of times that the our region of the intestines um, are like this second brain and like when you look at it it's like it looks like a brain things like it's made of the same materials when we feel stress we feel it in our gut and in that area so 
when you twerk, you release all of that. And I'm doing like this internal massage in all my body. And it generates joy, sparks that emotion in your body. So I, I think it's good for your body. It's healthy. If you have like back pain, menstrual pain, it's relaxing. So I, I got to do more of that. Yeah, you, yes, please do. Send me videos. <laughs> yeah. I wish you a lot of twerking. I wish you all the joy. That would be beautiful. I would love if you could tell that story of telling your mother when you were eight years old about how religion is a personal choice of yours. Well, when I went to the church, it was a white church. So it's like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and like, oh, man, and then the... The priest is like very like, okay, um, he spoke like François Legault, like our prime minister in Quebec right now. On the TV or when I went to Haiti, there was this other world of like black churches that felt like amazing. And I was like in this church that was like, and it was boring. Plus I had to like wake up in the morning very early to go there and I used to be a morning person when I was a kid, so that was fine, but it was like to watch comics, go to the church, didn't feel like comics, really not climax, <laughs> the same climax, whatever. So one day I decided that I had enough and I asked my mom, I made a big speech. Just to repeat again, yes. you're how old when you're doing this? I'm somewhere between eight and 10. I told her she can't force a religion on me. Beliefs are a very personal thing. Maybe I want to be Jewish or Hindu or like Buddhist and like any other religion I knew. Maybe I will want to be a Christian, but I want to have that journey for myself. My mom was strict, but not like cold. So if I had like solid arguments, she would be like, you know what? All right. From then on, like, and my sisters were like, what she said, like, <laughs> so they also stopped going to church. How did you find the words to say all of that at such a young age? My mom really initiated the love for books when we were kids. My sisters and I, we would walk up to the library and like spend hours together. So I guess I was always reading books. I was always listening to the adults when they were having conversations. Ah. I felt like I was questioning God. I was like having questions about that. A language is access to a culture. It's not mm. the culture, but it's access to a culture. And it, a culture is a way of being. It's a way of interacting with your the world around you and understanding your world collectively. We have to do the act of translating in order to comprehend what is happening in another culture. But maybe what I'm trying to understand in that other culture doesn't happen in mine. So my words in the language I know don't even fit and like are not even enough to understand that world. So I feel like by speaking it, 
I have real access rather than always going through the act of translation and stuff like that. Why don't we want to experiment the world and understand the many ways that people can perceive their world around them? There's this phrase that I heard recently, which I love, about learning to see your worldview rather than seeing with your worldview. Something like that. Ooh, say it again. About learning to see your worldview mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing with your worldview. Well, in the second scenario, you're not aware that there's something else. And then the first one, you're sort of taking the glasses off and you're saying, oh, I have glasses. I never use Uber. I like taxis because a lot of taxi drivers are Haitian in Montreal. One of the first things they ask me is, are you Haitian? Usually people would ask me if I'm African Hmm. and I would be happy to be half African, but I'm not. It's always, are you Haitian? So I'm happy about it. The second question is like, from where? They often want to see if they know your family. So sometimes we say like, what is your signature? Meaning what is your last name? Hmm. And then they retraced, okay, I've known this. And he's like, yeah, I knew this man. He was a, a lawyer and like, yes, it's my uncle. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, often I get to know my family story by taxi drivers. <laughs> I feel like that's beautiful to be able to have that across Montreal with like strangers. You're never alone, alone. Somebody somewhere knows about you, even though you don't know about them or you didn't know they knew about you, they know about you. It shows like the village travels. I used to judge small talk before, but now I think it's a superpower. If you are able to make someone else feel comfortable and at ease with you, it's because you were able to transmit emotions and like feelings in a very boring topic, something that is uninteresting, you made it somehow comfortable for someone else. I feel like that's a superpower. And so you're searching for connection more through small talk now. Mm-hmm. Experimenting, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does it feel so far as someone who has <laughs> not been doing that for most of their life? It is wonky, fun. It is scary. What's scary about it? It's just because it's so unknown for me Hmm. that I feel just weird. I will just think, oh yeah, that person thinks I'm totally boring or I'm not making any sense. But do you have that feeling outside of small talk, imagining how the other person is interpreting you? I think not. For me, it's a value to be truthful and to be your true self as most as you can. Being my in my vulnerability and saying the truth, this is it, I this is me. And then now I know you're down or you're not down. That was kind of my way. I was afraid of small talking because I'm like, oh my God, if that person knew me better, maybe they won't like me afterwards. And maybe we won't bond the same way. But like when you get older, you don't care that much if people like you or not. (laughs) You're like, I like the people I like and that's it. You let go of these fears and stuff like that. I wished that people were more comfortable to talk about grief 
it is an experience that everyone will go through and it is a huge part of life like it changes you so not being equipped to talk about grief i feel like it's losing a, an essential part of ourselves people we lost in the physical world no matter what you believe in they will remain in you somehow just knowing that gives you a lot of like tools to understand life in general we tend to deal with grief with avoiding it every time we avoid it it's just like put in a back room and it grows i feel like we're not taught how to deal with it how do you get comfortable with it i think you get comfortable with it when you accept that it's uncomfortable and being uncomfortable it's part of you it's part of your life my life has shown to me that there's always something new something that i will learn through discomfort discomfort is kind of a change in me something that is moving inside of me so maybe it's going into a new direction but i have to like allow it all of our emotions have the right to exist the expressions we don't express i personally believe they get stuck in our bodies and they develop into something else like maybe sickness or something so we need to accept that we don't have just joy and people should also love us when we're not just joyful i think maybe that's the main reason why we're afraid of expressing grief it's because we think that it's a weight that we put on them but no it's part of life crucial and core to your experience so why can't you talk about that where can people find out more about you i have a website elena studley so e l e n a s t o o d l e y .net Elena Stugli on Facebook. That's my artist page. I have an Instagram, which is L Stugli, E-L-L-E underscore Stugli. I have a SoundCloud <laughs> with my name. Great to talk with you, Elena. Thanks again for being here. Great spending time with you. Always. <laughs> Ciao. Bye. Those were some of the highlights from my conversation with Elena Studley on the third episode of Strolling. If you're hungry for more, there's a 75-minute extended version exclusively for members, which goes into making music with what you have, DNA of a president, preparing for the unprepared, and more. Becoming a member gives you access to all past and future extended episodes while supporting the independent production of this podcast over the long term. Find more information, show notes, links, and Elena's playlist of 32 handpicked songs at strolling.rosano.ca. That's strolling.rosano.ca. Be welcome to leave a comment on the website or by sending an email to strolling at rosano.ca. The music for this episode was inspired by two ideas from our conversation, original instrument and twerking. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening and see you next time.